Welcome to the Social Justice War Room, the podcast where we talk about social justice in fiction, reality, and everything in between. My guest today is an old friend from the webcomic community. He's been doing comics for many years now, and he's created his own superhero shared universe with a lot of characters across many different stories. The hub for all that is the Heroes of the World Beyond comic. Please welcome Shane Rivet. How are you doing, Shane? I'm fine, thank you, Neil. Yeah, so you've been, how did you start doing web comics? Like a lot of us grew up being fans of superheroes. Very few actually went on to do the work to make our own and to make comics with them and to keep making comics with them. Yes, well, I mean, I think uh, when you're growing up and seeing all this merchandise around you, you know, it kind of um, becomes your life. You know, you you, you literally you see something like um, Spider-Man or, or Batman and, and they're literally, you know, on a packet of crisps when you go to get them. You know, they're everywhere. So they get into your mind, especially as a child. And I just think that's what happened with me and superheroes. Um, I just naturally navigated towards them. And uh, as far as comics go, I, I always saw it as a part of a bigger picture, maybe, you know, moving on into things like animation and uh, games. I just realised uh, I, I am a traditionalist and I wanted to start out in comics and web comics was just easy and fun to do. So that's how it came about. Yeah. Was there a learning curve for doing web comics? Like, since I do them, I'm familiar with how the ease of self-publishing also means that you're responsible for pretty much everything that goes in and fixing any problems that come up in the process. Yes. Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm six years into this uh, current run of web comics that I'm doing, and I still feel like I'm learning as I go. <laughs> uh, there's, there's so much to do and learn. Um, there, there is a kind of a grind to it all where you're... Um, promoting and uh, there's, there's the, the the harsh side of webcomics like flats and backgrounds. Um, but I think, um, sorry, I think I've uh, lost the thread there. <laughs> no worries, it happened. <laughs> well, it's that. The learning you, curve. Yeah, yeah, it is yeah, a strong learning curve. And I mean, there's the challenge of simply drawing the thing and how time consuming that is and oh, yes while superheroes are considered kind of a low art form on the arbitrary scales that people judge mm -hmm. art yes the actual creation of superhero art is incredibly complicated with the anatomy and the camera angles and the posing yes. i think it's actually sorry no, go on. Well, I think it's actually, uh, for anybody wishing to start out in webcomics, it's a really great place to start doing superheroes because it is, like you say, about the positionings and the anatomy, and you get to know the anatomy quite intimately when you're doing superheroes. They're stretched out in all kinds of positions, and positions that you wouldn't get even doing some kind of gymnastics comic because these guys can be flying. You know, they're, they're going to be in all kinds of agony and the likes. Um, so it's a great place to start. And I say this in, in a sense that when you do start a webcomic, uh, I don't recommend doing your magnum opus straight away because you're going to learn so many things in doing the webcomic, especially 
you know, if, you, if you're going to go down the superhero route, you're learning a lot about anatomy, but you also learn a lot about your own metal, uh, what you can achieve as a webcomic creator and, you know, learning about the uh, the social side of it as well. You know, uh, like like you were talking about a learning curve, there's been several, especially being autistic as well. Uh, I, I never feel as though I'm um, reaching out as much as I can. And um, my posts on social media can be quite sort of, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of just put them out and cross my fingers, really. Well, <laughs> and hope people like them and aren't irritated. <laughs> I think almost everyone who's been on the podcast so far is either ADHD, autistic, or in the case of me, both. So yeah, that should be no problem for the audience here, at least. Yeah, yeah, and sure. One thing interesting about your comic is as... Heroes of the World Beyond deals with like the beginning of a superhero world. Yeah. And one thing you've gotten into immediately is how much celebrity has gone into it and how many people get into it without anything resembling altruistic motivations. Yes. And what made you want to focus on that aspect of it? Well, as much as we could say sort of the, the comic is quite high fantasy in a way, it, I wanted to, to look at um, motivation and what would make a person in the modern times become a superhero. And I thought about it in a kind of postmodern kind of way. You, you, instead of creating a lot of background stories for everybody, it would be kind of like the universal, that people could achieve celebrity status through being a superhero. And um, the idea really was to look at whether or not the action itself of being a hero is, a, is good or the motivation behind it is good because technically you could achieve the same outcome. And that, that's what interests me as, a, as I'm writing it. Uh, but as for motivations, um, I'm not sure if you've ever played the old DC Comics role-playing game. I found it quite stifling uh, back in the 80s, no, in the 90s. They had, a, like, uh, you pick a motivation for your character, you know, and there was only, like, five motivations. Oh. So it was, like, seeking justice, family, background, death, um, you know, seeking fortune. And I just thought, you know, I want to mix it up look at the world as we are now and look at what would motivate somebody into putting on capes and tights and fighting crime. Yeah, and it does seem like it it would have kind of a fundamentally self-absorbed motivation if you're willing to like put on an elaborate costume and declare yourself a hero or a villain. Yes. Yeah, so it's a double-edged sword, really, because you do have to prove yourself as a hero, but also once you do, then you get the cash reward, really. Uh, and the likes of Captain Charisma, he's very much Trumpian in style because he he sells the false image to the people and reaps the rewards of that, you know? He, yeah. He's very much a, a yeah. fake kind of guy himself, you know. You're not um, you're I'm based on your accent, you're on the other side of the Atlantic, I think our readers can figure out, and you've got your own Trump in Boris Johnson. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> We're trying to get him out now. <laughs> I wish you, sincerely wish you the best of luck with that. But yeah, thanks. You're, in your stories, the epicenter of all this hero activity is a city in Britain. And superheroes traditionally are very much associated with America. Is there, yes. is there any significant ch change between American and British cultures that you think would affect the way superhero cultures manifest over there? Well, I think we're a bit too cynical for the um, for going full style American style with a hero kind of concept. Um, I think we've got to, we do have a strong sense of justice over here. The, the um, you know a, a lot of us normal people have. Um, it's a uh, it's not without. A basis of reality that we could have superheroes here, but I mean, the, the initial idea of of Hot World would be, was to be some kind of reality TV show kind of superhero thing, but then I just moved along with the whole celebrity idea, and um, and that's how that turned out. Yeah, I mean, I may be talking out of my ass a bit here because of my limitations <laughs> as an American, okay. but yeah, it does seem like. There was a tremendous amount of influence from writers from the UK on American superhero comics. Yes. Like of Alan Moore and Grant Morrison. Mm -hmm. And it, well, I don't think you'd want to admit it, Garth Ennis. Right. And they came, they came to it either from a very cynical place of looking at it or a place where it was kind of outside it, where they acknowledged all the different genre trappings and tropes as that tropes instead of mm -hmm. like an unspoken tenant of a religion. Right. Do you, do you feel similarly when you approach this stuff or have you just grown up with it? So it it's all very familiar to you. Um, well, I, th I do think I'm being quite cynical, really, because for for the most part, it, like you say, that there's no um, true um, goodness happening behind somebody wanting a career. the 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 idea really was to to take that concept and and say, well, uh, if we have these career superheroes in the world and they do actually beat up the bad guys. I mean, is it a bad thing that they're about? I mean, people love them. I mean, if you take someone like uh, Captain Charisma, he's he's really selling the idea that he is a good guy. But I mean, really, he's a harsh businessman, and you know, he's going to do some terrible things in the future. That's in. But this was the the whole idea with with the Trump thing. I mean, people love the guy. I was a god of people worshiping this man, and I just thought like. Uh, you're just you're hypnotized by this man saying that he's a, 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 a some kind of messianic figure. Uh, so I kind of mixed that in with charisma and had this kind of 
the, the, the people are just so blinkered by his charisma that they just can't believe that he'd ever be a bad person. <laughs> but obviously there's going to be other sides saying, well, actually, you know, I was witness to this and I saw him do that and they'll be hushed up, you know. So I think that is a very cynical look on superheroes. Yeah. Initially. But- but you know, you've also got some character, several characters who aren't cynical. And like, you had a bunch of strips with the character Go B, a yes. young man who's empowered by kind of an enlightened hive mind from space. Yes, that is a very, Go is a very difficult hero to write for. And he's been through so many different costumes in the last few years. I've just never sat, settled on it. So I'm still I'm still changing it as we go. You might have seen in the last few comics, I've changed the costume again, I've changed it again, I've changed it again. It's it's working with stripes, man, I tell you, it's terrible. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> um, part of the fun of comics, though, the fact that so much of this is inherently transmutable. Yes, definitely. And, and I suppose you don't have that kind of franchise there that you must sell a specific image that the, the mainstream comics do. So you can be as creative as you like, really. Uh, but the idea behind Gobi, just getting back to him, uh, it was another kind of motivation that goes beyond, you know, the human motivations. That's why I brought him in from a different dimension because I thought it'd be, like, it, it would be the idea of, a, of an idea coming from a different place, like a higher place, maybe. And, and Gobi works on the idea of altruistic uh, re- reciprocal altruicity or something. Yep, yeah, that's the one. Uh, which is uh, you help each other and you, you you expel energy towards each other so that you work towards a better society and you don't. Um, well, it, it, it's kind of like a socialism, <laughs> but it, it, it's without the idea that we're not selfish creatures. We are selfish creatures at the end of the day, you know. Um, so that was, like I say, he's a very complicated character. Yeah. Uh, so it's difficult to write for him. I'm definitely drawn to him. And I do like that phrase reciprocal altruism because it communicates that a lot of what seems like selflessness is ultimately just a response to the fact that we're all it linked as human beings and we all yes. live on the same planet and what we do affects mm-hmm. others. So we should probably do good things instead of bad things. Well, Just, indeed. And of course, we're at the hideous final form of capitalism where it's just <laughs> about extracting as much value in the short term without any consideration of long term sustainability. Yeah. Yeah. But on less depressing to- topics. <laughs> so there's a lot of characters in your comic. You've definitely created a full universe. Is yes. it difficult to like? keep track of them all and keep all the different threads go- going within what? a story? Not particularly. I, 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 um, I kind of think of myself as doing the Stan Lee approach to comics. I've been um, told it's not, but I, I do believe that Stan Lee kind of made a sort of storyboard and then gave it to the artists and then he would put the writing on afterwards. And that's kind of what I do. But I don't storyboard. I, I would just storyboard in my head. And, yeah. and uh, I do the uh, a lot of the artwork first, push that out there. I, I mean, it, it's one of the stumbling blocks I had to begin with. I was working from scripts and it just wasn't happening. I was stuck in, in creative oblivion. And as soon as I just thought, right, well, 
I know this scene's going to happen. I know that we're going to have Avenging Arrow, Damozel, and uh, the Chrono Maggie jumping out of a helicopter into a big crowd scene. And I just thought, I'll get that done. And that's my start. And I did. And, and it just continued from there, you know? And so keeping it all tied together, I know where things are going. But for the most part, I also wanted to set out something that's easy to read and it's fun. It's kind of like, I say it as the Justice League cartoon, but a little bit more adult. Yeah. Where people are, are actually, you know, there are, it's not graphic, but it's it's sea, seaside saucy, you know, postcard saucy kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, a bit titillating, but nothing serious. Anyway. Um, um, yeah. I, I will say, and don't take it this the wrong way, you do draw a lot of butts, but you yeah. also draw a lot of different butts, different body types, and right. different kinds of butts. And given how much the superhero genre is basically effectively nude figures in motion but ones that stick traditionally stick to a single ideal of what a good body and a good butt looks like it is appreciated <laughs> I, honestly i didn't know you you just alerted me to something that i do i draw a lot of butts that's great and the idea really was to open up into all kinds of uh, the body shapes and the like I just, um, what happened was my, my brother and I had um, a selection of superheroes that we'd made up in the 90s uh, in an old role-playing game called GURPS, GURPS Supers. And uh, I also had some previous creations that I had. And when I came into doing this webcomic, I thought to myself, well, I could make up, you know, some new character, Cyber, Ninja, you know, whatever's going these days, you know, keep up with the kids. And then I thought, well, Axe Cop, who we, I don't know if you've heard of Axe Cop, but it was it was basically a seven-year-old who told yeah. the stories, but his uh, older sister, she wrote them. No, sorry, she illustrated them. And so it was kind of like a childhood's dream with adult, well, with mature art. And yeah. I thought, well, I could do that. I could take my old characters and bring them in, you know, reinvent them a little bit, give them a bit more, you know, detail than I used to have on them. And uh, yes, that's where Ghostmoth came from. Stormguard used to be my old Champions Online character. So did Avenging Arrow. He was my uh, first uh, Champions Online character. And you're a Captain Athlete. I used to, I, I, I was going to make a whole comic about Captain Athlete. Um, uh, G.I. Ant, I made him in the, in the, in the 90s. I've, I've put a few of the, uh, the old comics in with the comic uh, so that I can uh, show it. he's been there for a while. That's yeah, these good... are all the characters. So that was that was the, the mix-up. I like the idea of mixing uh, a more innocent time with with my modern art skills. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, with Gi and he's kind of branched out to his own series within yes. the Expanse, which yes, it, it seems like a, a new shared universe amongst webcomic creators. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Uh, well, when I was approached um, to get involved, they needed a character that was going to go up against some pretty tough enemies. Um, and with, uh, I only had a few uh, powerful characters. I don't like to overpower my characters. I think it makes for really dull storytelling, to be honest. Um, and I only had Stormguard and Giant was really going to be incredibly powerful. And Stormguard's story hasn't even started yet. 
So it was giant, uh, and I just went for it, really. Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've altered the story. I mean, from my perspective, Heroes in the World of Be- and Beyond is the, the centre focus here, and giant the comic, is a, is a spin-off. Um, yeah. But he's, uh, he's kind of a character who can just show up anywhere and acclimate well, and survive to the, to the yes. new terrain. I took that that idea from something like Wolverine, who you can appear in so many different comics, yet it all sort of ties up in the end. And I just thought, well, if he can be omnipresent in in some kind of literary sense, and I can do that with Giant because the idea was Giant was he was he was somebody that I would just put in other universes. He, he was somebody that would show up in anybody's comic. And he could make a guest appearance. He could do a team up, you know. While all the other characters in my story were having the character arcs, especially someone like Storm God. When when Storm God actually shows himself publicly as Storm God, I hope this came across in there. Issue eight. Then it's going to bring terrible trouble, and he knows this because he's seen the future. So he's very very scared or not not willing really to become Storm God because he knows a lot of people are going to die. Yeah. Um, that's his story at the minute. And so I couldn't really adapt him, uh, but I, I would have loved to. I love Storm God because he's, he, he, I, I designed that costume to be the most bonkers costume ever. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, yes, Giant is going to team up with uh, nine other independent um, creators and their IPs. Um, and we're just going to try and make an uh, event level uh crossovers in indie comics <clears throat> i mean it's a bit i'm not sure if it's been done before and uh, um, i know the guys know a lot more about the indie comics scene than me I'm, i've very much been in web comics for the last six years yeah um but i was on board with the idea of making sort of event level crossovers in indie comics because it's it's not really being done and it's not really being if it is being done, it's not being sold very well. Uh, and, and with the success of the Kickstarter, you know, f- funded in day one, I think that is just like the indie comics fans saying, yes, this is this is a good idea. You know, this is this is something we'd like to say. Yeah. So it's it's been a lot of positives along the way and it's been great. It seems like an incredibly fascinating idea because there's so so much tension between what indie comics purport to be and what event comics at Marvel and DC have been, which is just like, they promise that everything's going to change with this event and it never really sticks. Like they had, Marvel had that arc with Secret Empire with Cap being replaced by his Nazi doppelganger and him taking over the world and literally nuking Las Vegas. and. But now the old cap is back and Las Vegas seems to be fine. And we don't really talk about the presumable millions who got killed. Well, exactly. I think this is the problem that's big um, to have is that they've got franchises. They need to sell the the product of Captain America. And when people want to read Captain America comic, they don't want to read Nazi Captain America. You know, especially, you know, a, a lot of people, especially myself at the minute, I look at comics. I look at the comic world of the mainstream. And I think, where do I start? I was listening to um, the history of one of Spider-Man's stories the other day on YouTube, and it was so convoluted, deep, and you needed to read so many different arcs. And I just thought, 
I'm, I'm not surprised people are overwhelmed by it all. So this is why I go into it, keeping it very simple. Yes, it, it gets, it could seem complicated, but I'd, I'd never want to overcomplicate things. You know, I do, I do sit there and think comics need to be fun. Yeah. Uh, well, I like comics that are fun anyway. <laughs> and, I, and I think there's still a place in the world for, for that kind of sort of silliness in comics. There's a place in comics for literally everything. So Yes. That's well, good. that's one of the, the absolute gems of web comics. And it's something that the mainstream cannot uh, boast, really, is the, the depth of web comics. I do my own superhero comic, but I absolutely love the, the variety that comes with web comics. You, you can go anywhere and do anything. I, I, I once uh, read one of my favorites, which was called uh, Subternia, I think. And it was just about a bear and a fairy. Nice. <laughs> it was just amazing and lovely um, child children's book illustrations. It was just fantastic. And I just thought you can't get this anywhere else but with web comics. Yeah. Yeah. And one of your favorite, one of my favorite of your characters who I guess you're retooling his story was Night Twink, who appears to be like a, a take on the grown-up Robin Nightwing, except with the LGBT subtext it, around the character becoming very literal text. Um, I, I, it was very difficult to distance him from Nightwing, even though, uh, I mean, there's definite similarities. The whole idea of the domino mask was he did got it from a, a joke shop. You know, he's he's broke. He's he works on car. He works in his dad's car shop. He's he's not <laughs> heir to millions. He's actually just a kid, and and he's a street level kid. He, he doesn't even. I mean, he knows um, kickboxing. He, he's yeah. training at it. But I mean, if if Nightwing came along, he would pummel Nightwing. <laughs> Nightwing Nightwing would just do yeah. a few moves when you have him. You know, he's not he's not a super superhero. He's just a kid who wants to do good. He, he sees the, his LGBT community getting sort of the beatings and he's, and he's going to do something about it, especially in, in this um, it's more darker world that he lives in because obviously the police are corrupt and, um, and that kind of thing. So it, it was difficult. I, th- I think a lot of people looked at him and saw the Nightwing connections and I kicked myself for it because I never intended it to happen. Yeah. Um, but no, we, we, it was well, kind of like trying to. It's sorry. understandable that you would you wouldn't want that, and it, the connection is is just like the name and the general figure. But yeah, they are totally different. Yeah, characters. fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I get. It. I, I thought the storyline really dis- distanced himself from uh, from. From Nightwing, but it did. Yeah, I mean, Unfortunately, there's people tend to judge on appearance alone. Well, people have been trying to um, compare Giant to Deadpool. Now, I don't like Deadpool, and I don't like Rob Liefeld for uh, for reasons. There are a thousand reasons not to like Rob Liefeld, starting with his art and going all the way into him getting into NFTs. Well, I'm not bothered about the art. I think, you know, being in, in the realm of web comics, I look at all types of art and, and I do think that, uh, you know, you, you're allowed to have flights of fantasy, and especially in, yeah. in superhero 
web comics, but there are other reasons I don't particularly like the guy. Um, but yes, people uh, are associating the, the look of Giant with uh, with Deadpool. And literally, I was looking at my characters one day and I just thought, I've got no red superheroes. Oh, Giant will be red. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that was my uh, creative process there. It, whatever works. Yes. Well, yeah. you know... What what um, keeps me going is, uh, you know, Masters of the Universe is one of my big passions. But even when that went out, even into its first episode on a, a filmation cartoon, it was still cooking. They still didn't have things nailed down in the story. And I just think, well, even when you get to that level, you know, and you haven't got things ready, don't worry too much about getting things perfect straight off, especially in web comics. If you, if you stuff up, you can always retcon or yeah. just apologize and say, oh, this is just... You know, I'm, I'm stuck here and I need to move on, so I'm going to change this. You know, and your audience will probably be, be fine. I've never had to do that yet. I've made a few stinky changes, but nothing too big. Well, a lot of it is kind of an improv process. Yes. So, and as they say in improv, it's always better to go with yes and than no but. Yeah. yeah. But, but I do, I think what... What I do feel sorry for, for a lot of webcomic artists is, you know, we do put just as much time into our webcomics as, as I would say a YouTuber puts into their um, productions. But it just seems to be not as celebrated as much. And and I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I do think, you know, you're in, you're in the driving seat of your own success in that respect. But... I just think, you know, there's so many people working so hard, but it's just not celebrated as much. And, oh, I want I want to help promote people. I, I even did um, Web Hero Network, which is a, a Twitter page for superhero. Thank webcomics. you very much for doing that. It's been useful for me. Um, well, I thought I would love to help as many people as I can, but I just cannot with the breadth of web comics. I just can't concentrate on it all. And obviously, I like superhero web comics, so I'll just promote them, and hopefully, other people come along and go. Well, that's a good idea. Maybe I can do Magic Girl web comics, or maybe I can do your know, fantasy web comics, but. I think uh, you, you've got the type of people who who are creative and want to expand, and there are people who just want to do the webcomic and yeah. carry on with that. And that's good. It's a good, uh, good to have a mix. <laughs> yeah. So in the coming months, is there anything we can look forward to from Heroes of the World Beyond, GIN, or any other projects, I think? Um, I actually had made a massive buffer <laughs> Heroes of the World and Beyond that's being eaten up at the minute. Yeah, uh, I've actually got another year's worth of buffer uh, to go, so I can concentrate on making some of the digital comics. I've completed GI and two, and that should be coming out in March. Yeah, cool. And uh, I'm currently working on a Nightwing. I'm going to publish that myself. Uh, I'll probably um, put that up to uh, an independent shop. And hopefully uh, people will like it. Uh, it'll, it'll be a lot more co- cohesive than the webcomic was. I'll, I'll try and uh, make it, because I think I was getting a bit too sort of excited about ma- making so many different stories. Yeah, well, the learning one. process and all. Yes. Yeah, well, I look forward to those and you all in the audience should too. You can check out Shane's work in the links below. Here's the World Beyond and GI Ant with The Expanse. And as always, if you like what you've heard here, like and subscribe. Thank you for coming on, Shane.
Thank you very much, Neil.